0: Welcome to the MarTech
1: Podcast. Today, we're going to discuss how to market in the manufacturing industry. Joining us is Jeff White, who is a principal at Kula Partners, which helps leading manufacturers digitally transform their marketing and sales processes to grow their competitive edge. And today, Jeff is going to tell us about some of the specific challenges and target segments he sees in the manufacturing industry. Okay, here is our interview with Jeff White, principal at Kula Partners. Jeff, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for having me on, Benjamin. Glad to be here. I'm excited to have you here. And as we talked about a little bit before I hit the record button, you are actually the second Jeff White we've had on the podcast. So for everyone who's listening, this is not the same Jeff White that is from Gravy Analytics. This is a new Jeff White who, as I mentioned, works for Kula Partners in manufacturing. Jeff, welcome, not back to the podcast, but (laughs) thanks for being our second Jeff White. I'm very happy to be the second Jeff White. (laughs) Well, you're tied for first as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) So you have an interesting focus in marketing. Kula Partners is focused on helping manufacturers. Tell us a little bit about your background and about how you got to Kula Partners and what specifically do you do?
2: I'm a designer, actually, by trade. I started out when the web was in its infancy. I started coding for uh, Mosaic and pre-Netscape betas back in the mid-90s. And I started this company about 16 years ago now, I think. And it was initially set up as a web design and development shop because that was what I knew how to do. And over the years, we've grown and added a marketing side of things. We became one of the relatively early HubSpot partners. So we were an inbound marketing agency, primarily focused on the HubSpot marketplace for a while. And then As we grew and became more sophisticated and better understood what it was that we were doing, we also shifted a bit and began to focus on the manufacturing space probably about two to three years ago now. And that's been a really big driver of who we are and who we service and of our success.
1: So, talk to me about how you define the manufacturing industry. Who are your target customers?
2: So, we work primarily with mid market manufacturers. They usually have on the order of magnitude of hundreds of employees. Often they are distributed and have an international presence, either a international sales and marketing presence, or more often than not, they also have an actual manufacturing presence around the world. So most of our clients tend to be fairly complex organizations with a very long sales cycle and usually an overwhelmed and understaffed marketing team. And that's who we tend to help best.
1: So when I think of manufacturing, the first word that comes to mind is makers, right? These are companies that are building physical products. And I think there's a question of whether they are selling direct to consumer or whether they are B2B and supporting another organization with their products and services. When you are working with manufacturers, these large, somewhat matrixed organizations, Do you find that you're working with business to consumer companies that are producing and selling products, or are these all makers that are in the B2B space?
2: We focus almost entirely on the B2B space. We have a few crossover manufacturer clients that do sell somewhat directly. And you're quite right. One of the most complex things about the sales process and the marketing process with our manufacturing clients is that they tend to have a very interesting relationship with sales in that quite frequently, they have a distributor model. They'll also have an outside sales model. And many of them have an inside sales model all at the same time. So they've got distributors throughout the world. They might have agents in other countries. They might have salespeople specifically within the US, for example. And then they'll have an internal sales department that deals with a more account-based marketing program, or they're looking to move in that direction.
1: Sounds like what you're describing is very similar to some of the companies that I've consulted for, which are enterprise level B2B SaaS companies, which they have the marketing team, which is primarily tasked with building awareness and the top of the funnel, right? Like driving leads to the sales team. And then whether inbound or creating marketing collateral, the sales team is really responsible for taking those leads and converting them into revenue. Do you see a lot of parallels between what you're working with with B2B SaaS? I think there is, especially at
2: the enterprise level. We've worked previously before our specialization in manufacturing with a handful of B2B enterprise SaaS companies, as well as our ongoing relationship with companies like HubSpot, where we are as a partner agency selling that enterprise platform to customers as well. So... There is certainly that kind of relationship around driving leads to the website, nurturing those leads, and trying to push them further down funnel to sales. But at the same time, especially in the B2B manufacturing space, we're talking to a manufacturer right now that is looking to double their business in the next 5 years, and that requires 25 new customers only. So when you are able to define your customer personas that tightly... It may mean that there are very few organizations in the world that are qualified to buy from you, and you probably know who most of them are.
1: A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi, who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost effective. So talk to me a little bit about some of the challenges facing the manufacturing industry. When you think about the larger landscape, do you see that there is more competition in manufacturing? People are getting more technical. What are some of the hurdles that manufacturers are facing?
2: There are many challenges that our clients and the manufacturers that we look to work with are facing. First of all, most manufacturers are quite familiar with digital transformation as it relates to their shop floor. They're investing heavily in robotics. They're investing heavily in automation. They're investing heavily in simplifying those processes and just in time inventory and all of that kind of stuff. And where they may be challenged a good percentage of the time is in understanding how to digitally transform themselves from a marketing and sales perspective. A lot of them are still focused primarily on trade shows as a marketing vehicle, they may have an outdated web presence. And on top of that, if they do have a more complex understanding and implementation of a marketing program, they also have this really interesting of trying to integrate all of the various enterprise tech stacks that they're using so that those things talk to each other and you have a platform that talks to your distributors in terms of getting data out there like a product information management platform. They may have their own e-commerce platform where they sell directly. Um, In some cases, some of the folks that we're talking to have e-commerce where they sell one-off and small lots. But then that's just so that they don't have to deal with that in terms of connecting those people to their sales team or their customer service reps. So they use e-comm for that. And then their distributors for everything else for the people who are looking to order these things by the truckload.
1: I think it's interesting that you didn't mention a facet that I thought was going to be key into what's happening in manufacturing, which is globalization. I think that this works in two ways. One, there's obviously easier access to international markets to do manufacturing, to actually produce products. So the relationship between the United States and China, I'm just thinking of how easy it is to create a product that you can throw up on Amazon. And two, the access to global markets as potential sales candidates. Do you find that the markets are expanding or shrinking in terms of where manufacturers are looking for and finding their customers?
2: I think it really depends on the level of focus of the particular manufacturer. Certainly, some of our customers, especially the North American-based manufacturers are looking to global markets to sell, and it creates some interesting challenges for the ones that are looking to perhaps move into China, for example. There's a number of regulations just in terms of establishing a web presence and a social media presence in China requires some significant differences that you would have to servicing the entire rest of the base of your customers. I do think that some manufacturers tend to be looking more specifically at the deals that they can impact either in North America or Europe or wherever their core customer base is and, and expand on that not everyone is selling internationally and having sales reps in every country. So I don't know if I really answered your question there, but it's the kind of thing that it's really dependent on the specific manufacturer.
1: It sounds like the answer is it depends. And obviously, there's a lot of context. I'm sure in some cases, globalization is impacting manufacturing in terms of the breadth of vendors. And also, you know, it's easier just to access customers, but it doesn't necessarily mean that each manufacturer is prioritizing reaching new markets. Talk to me a little bit about the mindset of the manufacturers and how you think about segmentation. Who are the customers? Well, I think
2: What's really interesting about the customer personas that our clients are selling into is number one, how much crossover there is between customer groups. Like you could actually build an agency that just specializes in helping people sell into architects. For example, it's amazing to me how many different types of companies see the architect as a persona for them, and they're in completely different industries. I was speaking to a company a couple of weeks ago that manufactures handrails for escalators, and it's a very specific product. And one of their kind of halo persona groups is trying to get architects to specify. Their handrail and any customizations for the buildings they're designing. But that's not necessarily the same persona that everyone else is using. Then we have other clients who are looking to sell into that group as well, you know, that are making things that are entirely different than that. So I think the customers that a lot of our clients are looking for, especially in these B2B relationships. They're going in and they're meeting with these people, and they're planning on this being somewhere between 18 months to five years for a sales process. And they're really having to kind of work through that and understand how to nurture those folks down through the funnel over that long period of time, knowing when to reach out and all of that. And I think it's a really complex sales environment for many of our customers.
1: I'm going to go back to the enterprise B2B SaaS model where I think about personas and I try to bucket them in three groups. There's your external influencers, your internal champions, and then there's the end decision makers and budget holders. And with each organization, there can be different flavors of these people. I'm not even going to get into like legal and finance. But the example that you used of the architect an architect might be designing a building that has an escalator, and they are the one that is referring, hey, here's a great place to go buy your escalator handles. But <laughs> it is the building owner or the person that's paying the bills that actually is purchasing those. Right. There's a similar model in the B2B SaaS landscape where you can be working with an agency to say that you are the best manufacturing marketing agency that they should work with. Somebody else ends up paying the end bill and you need an internal champion and then the budget holder as well. Do you think that dynamic works in the manufacturing agency as well?
2: Well, we do a lot of sales enablement and account-based marketing consulting with a number of our clients. And it's interesting. I don't know if you follow Gartner and the agency they picked up a few years ago called CEB, but they've been doing some really really interesting research into the B2B buying cycle. And what they've found is that even in the last couple of years, that buying group, whether it's the outside influencers or the inside influencers or the decision maker, it's up to over nine people now. And when you think about how complex some of these sales are, sometimes when you're selling into a group of nine or 10 people, the easiest decision for them to make is to make no decision at all. So when you're looking to sell into an organization, like that, having content that's available for the different types of people with different sorts of objections, having case studies that are relevant to the architect, the procurement person, the CFO, all of those kinds of things, each with their own different objectives and objections, gets very complex very fast.
1: I understand the organizations are likely complex. And to me, that's a facet of... Working with organizations that have hundreds of people, you're going to get into lots of decision makers. Can you give me an example of a complex structure of an organization where you have multiple of these customer segments that you're trying to attract at a time?
2: So we've got some clients who might sell into property developers, people who are building large buildings, huge capital required in order to do that, and they might sell a component that goes into that. In those cases, obviously, the CFO is usually the primary decision maker and keeper of the purse strings. You might have architects and planners and designers who are involved in selecting the products that might be used and they're influencing that decision. Obviously, procurement is going to be preparing any documentation or RFPs or other proposal-based documents that are going to be going out there. There are project and construction managers that you might be selling into that are involved in that decision. And then it may go all the way up to others in the C-suite as well who are involved in that decision.
1: My takeaway here is that the manufacturing industry is very similar, like I said, to the enterprise B2B SaaS space in the fact that relatively large organizations, long sales cycles, expensive products in some cases and a very nuanced and constantly changing set of customer segments. So in our next episode, we're going to dive a little deeper, and we're going to talk about the marketing playbook for manufacturing companies. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Jeff White, principal at Kula Partners for joining us. In part two of our interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Jeff is going to tell us about the channel mix he applies when marketing for manufacturing companies. And if you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Jeff, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet at BrightWhite, B-R-I-G-H-T-W-H-I-T-E, or you can visit his company's website, which is KulaPartners.com, K-U-L-A-Partners.com. A couple of links to follow up on in our show notes. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, don't worry about it. Got you covered. Just head over to martechpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests if you're a subscriber to the martech podcast thanks for being a member of our community we always want to hear from you so we created benjshap.com question where you can send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions which we'll answer live on our show of course you can always reach out on social media my handle is benjshap b-e-n-j-s-h-a-p on linkedin and on twitter and if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed in addition to part two of our conversation with Jeff White, principal at Kula Partners, we're going to publish an episode every day this work week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. If you prefer to have our content delivered to your inbox, we have a once a week newsletter that links to our audio players, episode summaries, and contact information for our guests. To subscribe, go to benjshap.com slash newsletter.